Ladies, women's Bible study is coming, and um, I, I know that there's, there's going to be an afternoon and an evening, two different Bible studies. You need to commit to one or the other. Part of the Bible study plan is for you to build relationships. So ladies, if, uh, if you want to build relationships, that's how you do it. You choose this, and you invest yourself in it. You participate in it. It's coming up. You should sign up. There's information out there after service. And also, I'm excited because um, we heard last week from John uh, Laramie about the new curriculum that's going to happen in uh, Ignite. And I don't want to stand up here and make announcements about curriculum except to say that I think the Lord has birthed something here that's going to change the character of our children. It's going to shape them in ways that as parents, you're going to stand back and go, wow, the Lord's helping me do my, my role here as a parent. And when you see the fruit happen there, it's a good thing. So that's starting, that's exciting, and that's for our kids. I think they're 10, 11, 12, is that right? Yep. Head nodding in the background. Okay, I got that one. That's right. Today's proverb. Today's the 26th. There's a, here's a good one. Here's a good one for you. Of course, they're all good ones, right? Getting involved in an argument that is none of your business is like going down the street and grabbing a dog by the ears. <laughs> you know, I was looking at... Uh, you laugh now, but you've probably all done that at some time, right? You, and, and the dog turns and does whatever. I'm just old enough to remember this picture that many of you will remember from the past. This is President Lyndon Johnson doing some dog training or something. I'm not quite sure exactly what's going on in that picture, but it just makes me chuckle. <laughs> you know, what, what they don't show you is 10 seconds later, the dog's probably got him by the throat. And I can see the Secret Service pulling the dog off and all of that. So I'm hoping you're having a wonderful, peaceful Christmas season. I'll bet uh, you had just a wonderful time. Most of you probably were done shopping back in July and August. So that when the middle of December rolled around, um, somebody else just came and said, hey, I'm supposed to come and put your Christmas lights up for you. You sat back and watched football or you did your, your whatever it is, scrapbooking, whatever, you know. Um, and you just have had no stress at all through the Christmas season, and I'm really happy for you, so that when the sugar cookies were arrived, you had room on your table next to your creme brulee, and the TV clicker was nice and close by. You've had a very, very peace-filled Christmas time, I'm sure. Or maybe, maybe, um, I talked with one person who got to spend a little bit of time yesterday at the hospital for, with a child, five hours in the hospital, it's no fun. It's no fun any time to be in the emergency room or whatever when they're fixing up your little one with bronchitis or what ails you, it's really not funny. It's just no fun at all, and um, it's not a very peace-filled place. Or maybe your, um, your doctor's giving you some kind of crazy diagnosis, and that thing rings in your heart in the middle of the night, and it's hard to sleep. You've got a crazy schedule. Financial issues, you make more money than you ever had, I mean, but, but still the bills are there. and t- maybe, maybe you've had the Jerry Springer Christmas instead of the... Martha Stewart Christmas, I don't know. Where is the peace? The question is, with all of the stuff going on, a lot of good stuff, where's our peace? And there's just all of these demands on us. Well, let's come back to that. Let's, let's uh, look at our scripture today. It's, it's Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. You're probably getting tired of this. I'm not tired of the Christmas story quite yet, so you have to go through this another weekend with me. This is a prophecy from seven, 700 years before Jesus was born. born. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. And his name will be, pa- be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with the judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So Lord, we uh, ask and invite for heaven-born peace to be among us today. I ask God for people who have carried with them stress and strain which is probably all of us in varying degrees. I just ask God for heaven's intervention and for the dis- dis- dispensation of peace. And Lord, as we examine your word today, we ask and, and, and wait upon the supernatural um, to, to be upon us, Lord, because your word tells us that your word is effective. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the Christmas story, Luke 2. There were, there were some shepherds in that part of the country who were spending the night in the fields taking care of their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone over them. They were terribly afraid, but the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I am here with good news for you, which will bring great joy to all the people. This very day in David's town, your Savior was born, Christ the Lord. And this is what will prove it to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great army of heaven's angels appeared with the angels singing praises to God. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom he is pleased. You know, I don't think this was a very peaceful season, especially for Joseph, Joseph and Mary. I mentioned this um, on Friday at our uh, Christmas Eve services, but let's just kind of unpack what his world was at that moment. A teenage girl is pregnant. A teenage girl is pregnant, and the explanation is that God got her pregnant. Okay, there is no way that that connects and somehow peace pours into my soul when I hear this news. Okay, now they go traveling, and she's nine months pregnant, riding on the back of a donkey. How's that sound, ladies? Nine months pregnant, you're going to go somewhere, you're going off to visit the relatives, or you're going somewhere on the back of a donkey. Nine months pregnant. I don't know, I think the first three steps the the, the donkey takes, pretty soon you're going to be chewing on your lip, pretty soon you're going to be looking at your hubby and going, you got me on this Another thing, King Herod has a problem. He knows there's something brewing in the spirit, doesn't quite understand it. He's certainly not with the program, and his solution is to kill all the baby boys. Okay, so we got a pregnant woman, a pregnant teenage girl. God did it, is the story. She's got to ride on a donkey, and the king's going to kill all the boys. Doesn't sound like much peace going on. It sounds like a pretty bad deal. It sounds like today, in a lot of ways, you know, uh, Christian marriages, even Christian marriages, the, the statistics for Christian marriages and ending in divorce isn't really a whole lot different than the statistics for marriages in general, in general population. Financially, people make a lot more money today than they did 10 years ago, a lot more than they did 20 or 30 years ago. But the financial pressures that have somehow connected with those higher paychecks are also a lot more. You have to fight for a parking place to go shopping at Christmas to do your duty. The freeway can be really aggravating. I'm really grateful that they've been fixing freeways and adding lanes and so forth, but just driving, you know it before you get in your car. I've got to go somewhere. I'm going to be on the roads. I will be frustrated. I know that in advance. I get there, and I get frustrated anyway. It's just, where's the peace? It's all hard to reconcile. So it's a fair question to ask. Did the Prince of Peace fail? Now, I hope this doesn't assault your reverence if you think that I can stand in front and, and without um, a loving heart ask a question, is Jesus a failure? Because he's called the Prince of Peace. Where's the peace? 
It's a fair question. The world's asking it. In fact, if you don't realize the people around you who are not Christians, look at you and say, what? You believe what? Why? Why do you believe that? Where's your peace? Where's the Prince of Peace? I have a question to ask you. How do you define peace? How do you define peace? I've always thought that peace meant that somehow this sense of calm, calmness would come upon me and my anxiety would leave. That sounds reasonable. It's a reasonable definition. But I want you to say that that stops so short. That's, that stops so short of what the Lord would say is, is peace. And I, I, I want to unpack his name. You know, I would never let a name go by without taking some time on it. So let's just find out what, uh, what that name actually means in Hebrew. That, that quote comes from Isaiah 9, and his name, Prince of Peace, is, is two words. The, the first word is Sar. You've heard that in the, word, in the name Caesar. And the word Sar is captain, lord, chief, general. It's the guy in charge. And the second half of the name Prince of Peace is Shalom. You've probably heard that too. That's a greeting that's a Hebrew greeting, and it basically means uh, rest, tranquility, completeness, wholeness, peace. It's like you walk up to someone and you say, Shalom, Shalom, Eric, and I'm saying to you, peace be upon you, friend. Okay, so the, the, this is the name. It is Captain of Rest, Lord of Tranquility, Chief of Wholeness, Prince of Peace. That's what Sar Shalom is. Now, I want you to know that the Fisher clan um, had to go to work this uh, last several days and do some arts and crafts. So I have a sermon illustration, and you need to bear with me here, because this is the extensive drama department at Crossroads Church went to work for you over the weekend. For, so, okay. My lovely assistant and son, Ben, is going to help me out here. <laughs> Nicely done. Okay. <laughs> Notice that uh, we are erecting a cover. What do you think we were doing last night on Christmas? We were down here putting things in the church ceiling. Okay. So, as long as we get underneath Jesus, we have the opportunity to enjoy his peace. As long as we're underneath him, we can have Jesus' peace. Can we do anything we want and go ahead and have his peace? Can, can, uh, can a guy get his teenage girl pregnant and then come to church on Sunday and go, oh, give me peace, God? Can I go on the internet and uh, get a credit card from Capital One, you know, the one with all the uh, Vikings on TV, and Bank of America, and three or four Visa cards, and, and charge and buy all kinds of stuff to make me happy, and then come back... And, and, and say, oh, Lord, would you, um, would you give me financial blessing? Um, can, I, can I build up huge debt that I know I will never pay and then come to church and say, oh, God, give me your peace financially? Can I, can I have a great big old hairy fight with my wife, even the Lord tells me to be careful about that because it could hinder my prayers? Can I get into a great big old argument with my bride and then come to church and say, gosh, it's getting quiet in here, and, and, and say, oh, Lord, give me your peace. Give my marriage your peace. I can go back and forth and give you lots of examples, and you guys are really smart. I know you know the answer is no. When I choose to do something outside the lordship, outside the covering of grace, I can't find his peace because I've intentionally done some things that are outside that lordship. 
But when we are under his covering, when we do get underneath here, we find ourselves in the flow of a kind of peace that goes right past our understanding. It goes beyond what we can reason out with our mind. It's a whole different thing. Just as he can give us his peace, this is your turn, Ben, this is your time. Just as he can give us his, his peace, he can take it away. Nicely done. (laughs) Ah, What happened? God can take away the peace that he was giving me before. It's his peace to give. The word says he can give it to us. Wow. Why would the prince remove my peace? Why would the, the king of kings, the one who loves my soul, Remove my peace. There probably are lots of circumstances that you might be able to look backwards in, not that you've had him remove your peace, um, but I know that there have been times in my life that the Lord has removed my peace. And when that was going on, it was, there were generally two reasons. One is he just wanted, first off, to go get my attention. Grab my, you know, somehow get my attention. The Lord would want to get my attention. And then there could be another reason. It could be that what he wants to do is to gently and lovingly draw me back to a place that I belong, that he wants me to be. Why would he do that? Because he's the Sar Shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. And peace is not some sort of peaceful, easy feeling. (laughs) No, he's something of wholeness and tranquility and, and completeness. Hey, can I have peace back, please? May I? Um, I don't know if it's really required for the message part of this, but I'd feel a lot better if I could have some peace back. Thanks, Ben. I mean, after we did all that work, I don't want it to be over with in two, in two minutes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Got it? Perfect. You can leave that there until we get done or until it gets in Eric's way. He's the Lord of peace. When you're under him, you can experience his peace. And when you step outside, you just might not experience it anymore. He's the Sar Shalom. I'm going to go over a couple of things that, um, that happen in everyday life that talk about peace that I just want to expand on a little bit. One is this. He is the peace that comforts you. Maybe a lot of stuff in life seems to be going haywire right now. Maybe, maybe you just, you're, you're, you know, it's something as simple as trying to put up Christmas lights and they, they, they lie to you. They say, one light goes out and the rest remain lit. It's a lie. Okay, have you seen the little white lights around this building? There's 383,000 miles of lights. And I'm telling you, some of them went out and it wasn't because there was just one light. Anyway, things go haywire way worse than Christmas lights. John 14, 27 says this. These words are in red. This is Jesus talking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, Jesus gives his peace. Um, I'm kind of a, um, 
I don't know if the word is foolhardy or brave, um, but I'm willing to try things. Okay, so like, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you own a home and you want to fix things up and do things to it, you either got to write lots of checks or you got to decide that at some point you're going to get out a, a, a plumbing wrench or an electrician something, you know. And I mean, I'll try things. Um, people that know me will go, yeah, Terry will try things and he'll break stuff and he'll have to do it a second time. Because I do this mental calculation. I say, okay, if I hire a guy to wire such and so in my house, it'll cost me X, but I can buy all the stuff for about a third of that, break it, buy it again the second time and do it right, because I've still saved some money, you know. <laughs> so <clears throat> sometimes that works out. It, it doesn't work out a lot of times. But I'll try things. But I, I look way back, and part of the reason that I'm brave is because I've had friends around me that'll try to do things. So I have this close friend who, um, at one time in his life, he, did ele- he was an electrician. I don't know how long. But uh, we, we were... Um, we were going to take, this is several houses ago, and at that time we decided we were going to heat our house with wood. Okay? Wood's a great way to heat. It's messy, but it's warm and cozy. The thing was that where we were going to put this wood-burning stove, there was um, some stuff in the way, including some baseboard heaters. And um, my friend and I decided, well, we'll just pull the baseboard heaters out. And um, now don't try this at home, okay? Because um, so... So we were getting into this, and I'm not too sure about the electrical stuff going on here. I hadn't really done it before, and I'm thinking, you know, we could kind of light, light each other up here if we're not too careful. He says, oh, no, no, I got this. I've done this before. Now, I was scared until he said, no, no, I've done this before. And then I started to move forward based upon the peace that I had because I was with him. was unfounded peace, I can tell you, um, um, <laughs> in that example, which I don't mean to blow up my sermon point here, but um, uh, we decided that to remove the baseboard heater, we needed to turn off the um, power. So, of course, we went over to the wall and turned down the thermostat. <laughs> so, so we pulled it out from the wall, and I had my back to the... He had his back to me, and he squatted down, and he had the, this wire cutter in his hand, and... Um, um, well, he cut through the cord, and when he cut through the cord, something bridged to something else inside there, and there was this loud bang, flames shot <laughs> between his legs and out sideways, and smoke came up, and the end of the pliers were gone. The <laughs> so we dodged a real bullet, okay? It affected my peace, but the point was this. <laughs> Over the years, I've done a lot of things. I've re-roofed my house several times, and I've done a lot of stuff that I don't really know how to do. But I've had friends around me that had skills and capabilities. And so I would take things on that were beyond me because I was able to tuck under the peace that somebody else would give me. Now, if my friend, who's a close friend, would give me some of his peace, what do you think the peace is like standing here? When this friend gives peace, it's perfect, it's reliable, it doesn't blow up with flames, it doesn't somehow evaporate, it doesn't let the crud fall through, the covering is perfect. We get his peace, one reason is because we are with him. If you don't know his peace, I, I, and maybe, maybe you do know his peace, but right now you're not experiencing his peace, and you're a believer especially, I want to ask you a couple questions. Is it because you're trying to do everything on your own? Have you maybe decided that, hey, you've got this part of your life in so much control that you can do it just fine? Thank you very much, Lord. I love you. I know you love me. But I got this. 
Maybe that lack of peace over there is because you've decided to do something on your own instead of, not that you're against God. You've just kind of gotten just a little bit more self-confident and independent from the king than you needed to be. Maybe that's one reason. What do you do? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That means a peace will come upon you that didn't get there because your logic says A plus B equals C. I got A and B, therefore I must have peace. It's not because you can reason it out. It's not because you can look at the bills and say, hey, they're all paid, I can be peaceful. It's because something happens in your heart that went and bypassed your intellect beyond your understanding. What do you do? You pray and you trust Jesus. You know, there are times that that supernatural peace is so so valuable. I, I mentioned at least once in a message here before about an experience that we had with some very close friends whose son, who was an adult son, early 20s, had drowned. And... Um, we, uh, I, had, I don't think I've unpacked it very much here in a message, but we had, um, I, I got a phone call way early in the morning, one summer morning, and the desperate voice of our close friend saying, um, I'm going to this lake. The police have called me. The divers are now looking for my son. It was, uh, it was unbelievable at four in the morning. I spent that big, long day, that horrible day with them, and all of the things that you could imagine um, watching the boat come to shore and them transfer their son's um, remains into the coroner's wagon and a later in the day a visit to the coroner. And just um, this, this, this young man was married. His wife was out of town, was traveling back and on a train and, and um, um, had trying to find out how to connect with her while she was on a train so that I could tell her that her husband had died. You know, hard day, <laughs> a very difficult day. And I, I'm just like you. I'm just, you know, the, the most I could do for this couple was just be with them, which, by the way, that's a lot. When you know someone who's hurting, you don't have to go into the circumstances and fix their problem for them because you usually can't. Being with them is about 98% of the battle. So I'll just toss that out. But I was asking the Lord, Lord, I, I need something here. I, I need something for this, this couple who I love. What do I tell them? And, you know, of all the things, the Lord gave me Psalm 139, and I, I, I love that psalm. It's so full of wonderful things. And um, there's just a, a couple of verses there that I know had power in them that day. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. The days were fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is your sum of them. That scripture basically says that when you were in your mother's womb, the Lord saw all of your days before there was a single one had started. Now, my little logical mind extrapolates and says, okay, he saw all my days. There's a specific number. I'm glad I don't know my number. Um, but there's a specific number. Now, this, this couple whose son had perished had to be asking themselves, how did we get to the number so quickly? How did this happen? 
Did something short-circuit the number? Or did God know this when he was back in his mother's womb? And something of majesty came into those circum- that circumstance. It wasn't because I was some sort of manner of great friend. It was because the supernatural power of the word of God combined with the peace of relationship went to work and got past their understanding. It went past all of the reasons and all of the brokenheartedness. It didn't fix their moment. It didn't fix their day. But all of a sudden, there was a peace that hadn't been there before. And I'm telling you to this day, it was supernatural. It was supernatural. It was a majestic moment, a majestic place. You know, and I think about that scripture, and I mentioned this on Friday night. You know, you can never get any closer to Jesus than you were in the moments when he knew you in your mother's womb, and you are today, and you'll be 10,000 years from now. He loves you, and he does not depart from you. Okay, second thing is, he is the peace who saves you. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you say, I don't feel any peace. Is it possible that you don't feel peace because he strategically removed peace from you? Strategically? It was a loving thing he did. I, I, you know, I tell a story about this girl named Cheryl. Uh, <laughs> and I grew up in Spokane. And there was a girl who lived right behind me. This was on the north side of town, and we had a fence, and we played games, and um, the kids in the neighborhood. Cheryl was, I was probably, I, I can't imagine more than four or five. I, I was pretty young when this happened. We played all the time together, and I knew Cheryl to be, a, 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 their family went to church regularly, and she would talk about Jesus. And I knew a little bit about Jesus. I did not know Jesus, but I could tell, even at four or five, that the way that she talked about it, it was like a family member they were discussing. For me, it was more of a legend. The guy for Christmas morning, you know, all of that. It's, this is no hit against my family. We just hadn't made, our, 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 our time to enter the kingdom was uh, still ahead of us. And I would play with Cheryl, and every once in a while, she would say something to me, and it penetrated my soul. She would say this the way a four- or five-year-old girl says it to another four- or five-year-old child. You're going to go to the devil. Man. Okay, here I am now in my middle 50s, and I can still hear it. <laughs> Doesn't scare me anymore. I've got that sorted out. But this little girl said something that I believe was not prophetic in the sense that it was um, predicting my future, but it was, it was a loving nudge slash drawing put there by God because that comment impacted me. And it wasn't until a long time later, 10 or 11 years later, that I said, I want to open my heart to the Lord. But for a long time, I knew I was going to the devil. I knew that there was a, let's put it this way, a strategic absence of peace in my life even as a child. Now, the Lord, that was a merciful, loving thing to do. It wasn't like I was running terrified, scared all the time because I was intellectual even at that age and I would argue with her. I didn't win the argument. As you can see, God won that argument. 
But there is a place where the Lord will strategically remove our peace because it's what he does, because it's what we need to get nudged over into the safe zone. Whatever that looks like. It probably doesn't look like an umbrella. So, you know, I got a couple of rhetorical questions and we're about done here. I'm, now, do not respond to this. Anybody here ever lied? Anybody here ever stolen something that wasn't yours? And I don't mean, you know, necessarily you and Butch Cassidy robbed the bank. I mean, you didn't quite completely be honest with your income taxes or you, just, you, you, you got into the cookie jar when your mother told you no or, or anything in between. Or have you ever lusted at someone that wasn't your spouse? I mean, I mean, it's obvious here that this, this room is full of sinners. You guys are all failures. Um, no, I'm, it, it's, it's obvious it's, it's obvious that, that, we can't <laughs> that we can't measure up to a level of perfection, of holiness. We just can't. I am so grateful that the Sar Shalom has decided not to, d- to dispense his grace based upon my ability to keep up with the Ten Commandments. I am so grateful for that. You see me smiling? <laughs> I am truly grateful. And... If it was based upon the Ten Commandments, nobody would have any peace. No one would be amazed by that. We would all be going, well, (laughs) you know. His dispensation of peace has nothing to do with the Ten Commandments. It has everything to do with relationship. It has everything to do with our proximity to him. The relationship with Jesus. Ephesians 2 it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who, were, who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. That is the kind of peace that I want to have and I want you to have. Let's pray. Lord, with uh, grateful hearts today, we're thankful that the peace that we get from heaven is relationship because Lord we confess our inability to to live a holy and perfect life not that somehow um, you would ever demand that instead you knew it was true and so you made a pathway for us anyway God I want to pray about the two reasons why people might have peace removed one is because strategically you want to draw us back And Lord, where that's present in this room, I've tried to keep this light, Lord. I I just pray, though, that the release of the Holy Spirit would draw people to you. Draw them right to you, Lord, into your safe, loving place. And Lord, for the second reason, for people here who need peace and they just don't have relationship with you, I pray, Lord, about that as well. Your work on the cross was powerful and effective. I thank you, Lord, that love is matchless, that heaven's love is matchless, and that, Lord, your plan is perfectly timed for every person. So pray, I pray, Lord, that nobody that can hear this would, would make a decision not to, Lord, have a relationship with you. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, look up here. Um,